What's good, everybody? This is Fraternal Football. I'm Cameron. I'm Zach. Welcome. Episode 35. 35? 55. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm Cameron. <laughs> I'm Zach. And, man, what a first couple of weeks of the NFL, right? It, we've had blowouts. We've had comebacks. We have storylines that are perhaps premature, or are they? And we have to perhaps rescind some early preseason takes, or at least I got one that I know I might have to. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's shit's been crazy. So, but what are we starting off with, Zach? Well, you know, there's kind of been two super trendy topics uh, about the NFL since. So it's really early in the season. Um, that would be Tua and Jalen Hurts, two young former Alabama quarterbacks. Although uh, I don't know if we should consider Hurts an Alabama quarterback since his last school was Oklahoma. I think we all remember him from Alabama pretty well, but you can go with yeah. either. Sure. Um, well, either way. Um, I'm, we're not trying to be party poopers. <laughs> I feel like we are sometimes, but sometimes in this case sometimes. we're being critical. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but criticism is only founded on success, right? You don't. I mean, most criticism or constructive criticism is to encourage improvement, not to necessarily tear down. That is what we're trying to do here. Um, not that they're listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Ben Simmons, nice. Just don't don't talk smack on him. <laughs> um, you you but, saw that one, right? <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're not as high on. Tua and Jalen Hurts, as the rest of the fans and media are. Um, I'll, I'll lead off with Hurts. I know Cameron has a lot more to say on Tua. Yeah, um, I've been watching more Dolphins than Eagles. I've been watching quite a bit of do- Eagles, not so much Dolphins. Um, the thing about Hurts, there's a lot to like. Don't get me wrong. The dude runs like you know, bowling ball, kind of like how he used to describe Frank Gore, except from the quarterback position. You know, and it's cool. I mean, it's not like Cam Newton where you're just physically outmatching every player you run into while running the ball, but there's an element to his game where he still has a little bit of shiftiness, and he is powerful enough to just run through arm tackles consistently. Um. My thing on Jalen Hurts is I still haven't seen that throw that just makes me go, wow, he really took a leap. I'm, I'm not seeing truly high-level th- like pass plays from Jalen Hurts, and it could be uh, indicative of the scheme he's running. It's extremely RPO-heavy. I know uh, Miami's scheme was like that last year. Um. And so was the Eagles, in fairness as well. 
And the Eagles are the best rushing offense in the league, I think. Um, even better than the Browns, who most people probably think of when they think of the best rushing offense. By the numbers. Oh, yeah. Or Baltimore. True. Um, the Eagles are averaging like something like six yards per rush attempt right now. I mean, it's only two games. But they have one of the better offensive lines, especially at pounding the rock. And Jalen Hurts says, you know, he's taking full advantage of that. Um, I just need to see that next step as a passer. And Cameron and I were looking at the numbers. 11 carries in his first game, 17 in the last game. Over the course of 17 games, if Hurts is able to play all 17 games, because that that's a lot of carries for a quarterback just through two games, let alone, or some quarterbacks, that's a lot of carries for the whole season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't see that as sustainable. He's going to have to win some games with his arm, and I haven't really seen that ability from him yet. Um, who knows? You know, maybe he just hasn't had to bring it out yet. Um, but there are, very reliant on run after the catch scenarios with their RPOs heavy scheme where he's catching AJ Brown on slants um, or Devonta Smith on these quick outs, kind of like how Stephon Diggs has been doing with Buffalo's RPOs. Um, I, I just, I'm waiting for that uh, moment where they kind of open up their scheme for Jalen Hurts. And until then, I'm a little hesitant to crown the Eagles. And uh, I, I think Jalen Hurt MV- Jalen Hurts MVP talk should be uh, kind of pushed to the wayside for now, at least. Yeah, I, while I haven't seen as much of the Eagles, admittedly, so I, I can't comment in depth on Hurts, um, just looking at sort of the broader scope of it. Both the Eagles and the Dolphins really are teams that were relatively easy to crown early on uh, for being successful. Like if they were to get off as they have to terrific starts, um, it, it's they made the kind of moves in the off season that would make that easy to crown. So everyone's been praising the moves the Eagles have made the whole time and they've made some really good ones and the Dolphins made some splashes and I'll get to them but with the Eagles I, I, I agree that the offense just doesn't seem sustainable what happens when that yards for carry dips and not saying it'll dip to anything subpar but what if it even comes back down to five yards carry four and a half yards carry that's not six yards per carry which they've been riding through the first couple of games and furthermore Zach's right when you just give your quarterback that many carries and you become more or less reliant he has three times as many rushing touchdowns as passing touchdowns he's thrown one passing touchdown in two games and that's not necessarily a red flag in and of itself, but what it does tell you is that they're not necessarily trusting him to throw the ball, and that could be the flag. And just what happens 
halfway through the season when your offense is in more or less one dimensional, you're relying on RPOs, you're not broadening your offensive framework, you're going to end up like the Cardinals. Uh, not saying perfectly as a comparison, but they're just a hallmark of unsustainability over the course of the season. This isn't the best marker for the Eagles success long-term or throughout the entirety of the season. And so I do believe that they will come back around to earth. And so will Jalen Hurts. Yeah, um, that brings us to Tua. And uh, similar things can be said for Tua, but it's kind of in an opposite direction. Tua has been praised for the passing as opposed to his rushing. If anything, people are kind of still calling Tua a limited athlete. But the thing with Tua's passing is similarly to Hertz. There really hasn't been those throws that are you're like, wow, he's really made a progression. In fact, a lot of his throws that even went for touchdowns last week, they were the result of a massive blown coverage or um, Tyree Kill just being Tyree Kill and getting wide open. Um, and I, I say like not a single throw uh, that I saw that was at least over 20 yards was thrown in stride. His receivers were having to slow down to catch it. Seems like Tyreek Hill was just burning them over the top and Tua couldn't quite get it to where Hill was going to be. So Hill had to even kind of slow down or come back to the ball a bit. And Hey, look, a touchdown's a touchdown, but over the course of a whole year, you can't expect all of those to go the Dolphins' way. Um, not to take anything away from a six-touchdown game, but I think there's a little more to it than just, wow, Tua's finally burst on the scene. You know, you have to look at the, the quality of those throws. Yeah, certainly. Um, I it was easy. Preseason is tricky. Uh, there are some things that we are inclined to overreact on, and it's clear that it's an overreaction. And then there are other things where it seems like an overreaction, and perhaps it's actually more of a precursor to what the season itself will bring. And unfortunately, one of those um, is Tua's penchant that we've seen thus far for, for frankly, yeah, underthrowing. Uh, all those Tyreek Hill passes. Uh, he's getting touches and they're getting him involved. And six touchdowns is wildly impressive, no matter how well you, or how you do it or who does it or anything and it's circumstantial. But when you see how they're doing it, um, and in Tua's case, there's there's something that you you watch it. You watch him play so far this season, and it still leaves me with something to be desired. I, I'm not convinced, even with a wildly impressive comeback over the Baltimore Ravens, and thankfully it overshadowed my Raiders just a little bit. Uh, 
he's still under throwing Tyreek Hill, who is clearly just better athletically than everybody else on the field could ever imagine to be. And something just tells me that they're that call it a hunch, but I'm also drawing from what I'm seeing. Uh, they've been winning games so far too. Uh, but it, it, they just seem like the kind of team that's going to start kind of hot. Maybe they're three and one, and then they're just going to hit a skid like midseason, and it's going to be really ugly. And people are probably going to be retracting some of the earlier praise uh, that while I, I'm glad to see him see, I, I'm just not convinced is going to be the enduring reality of the Dolphins. Um, it would be pretty interesting if it was and I would like to rescind my uh, early criticism despite the early success but it just it, it seems like I this will be another thing but I feel like a co- at least one or two of the teams that are 2-0 and right now are going to go back the other way and a, one or two of the teams that are winless so far are actually better than that and will surge so we'll see the dolphins are are kind of my my initial read to go in the negative direction and i'm not sure on the positive fingers crossed so if you the raiders or maybe my preseason pick the panthers but <laughs> yeah. yeah um I, no, I'm sorry. i think that's i'm oh, sorry oh i was just reiterating that something's just not feeling right with the Dolphins for me. um, I was going to say that's kind of a perfect uh, segue into our next topic. I'm going to talk about the Panthers, and uh, I do not think they're going to make the playoffs. I think there's no way in hell. I think we've looked – probably as bad as any team in the league so far. Um, we absolutely struggled to move the ball in offense. It's been so, so anemic that it kind of hurts my soul just watching them. It's almost like uh, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold just switched bodies or something, or maybe they're actually not so different in the first place. Um, but either way, It's just extremely disappointing. Um, Baker has not been a revelation. (laughs) He has been just as bad as Sam Darnold, just as bad as the Browns fans said he would be. (laughs) Um, And, you know, it's just disappointing. And I've been breaking down a lot of Baker film, breaking down a lot of film on a lot of different backups, possibly guys that might be available. Um, Before I get to the one who I would prefer for us to go after this offseason, yes, I'm already thinking about the offseason two games in because that's how bad we are. (laughs) Pray for Zach Um, (laughs) and the Panthers. (laughs) It's just, it's a tough schedule. The next four games are brutal for us. Next five games, we have uh, New Orleans, Arizona, San Fran, the Rams, and the Bucks all in a row. I don't remember the particular order, but 
those are our next five games. So might be starting this season out 0-7. And uh, I was looking at two quarterbacks in particular as kind of bridge starters, um, being 0-7 most likely. Uh, we are probably going to get a chance at a rookie quarterback. And I'm not all for the starting a guy right away necessarily. Um, I do kind of like having a quarterback that can play or um, kind of be the bridge for like six to seven games in the first year until the, the roof completely falls off and the rookie needs to get his playing time in. I think that's an easy, easier transition for most rookies. Um, those two quarterbacks that I was looking at, the first was Tyler Huntley. Um, I don't know if he will be re-signed by the Ravens. Um, he does seem like a bridge. <laughs> it, it is a possibility. kind of reminds me of Tyrod Taylor a little bit. Jacoby um, Brissett. <laughs> yeah, I don't want Brissett. Um, uh, I'm just saying it's not those bridge quarterbacks, but I would agree with Tyrod Taylor. Direct comparison. Yeah, he. I mean, he is similar. I, I think arm strength-wise, they're similar. Huntley seems a little bit more stout, a little bigger frame than Tyrod. Um, I don't haven't seen enough of Tyler Huntley to really judge how of a passer he is. But if he is similar to Tyrod, Tyrod is uh, really careful with the ball. He's not gonna mm-hmm. wow you on an even play, but he's also not gonna constantly throw game wrecking interception after game wrecking interception. You're scoring um, twenty points, one touchdown, no picks. <laughs> yeah. But the most interesting bridge starter, in my opinion, not only for the Panthers, but probably for a team like the Seahawks, maybe, um, is Gardner Minshew. It's like the wet dream uh, of bridge quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of Ryan <laughs> or at least yours. Yeah. He just he reminds me of Fitzpatrick. He's, he's not the guy you want to be your full-time starter. I'm not going to sit here and be like, Minshew's great. So he should be starting. He's he is a high level backup to bridge kind of guy, but he kind of fits what the Panthers' problems are right now. Um, what Baker and Darnold have really struggled with is creating under pressure and uh, creating on the move, kind of like the off script aspect of uh, playing quarterback. Um, and the Panthers' offensive line has some major flaws, so. You kind of need a guy who's going to be able to move around a bit. And that's one thing that Minshew and Tyler Huntley, that's why I was also looking at him, are pretty competent at. Although I do trust Minshew a little more than Huntley. We've seen more from Minshew. Hence why I say he's more ideal. Yeah. He does have a certain flair to him, not just personality-wise, but in just off script and – you want to see, you know, I, I think your comparison for him player-wise to Fitzpatrick was pretty accurate. But, you know, you want to see for sure if he has or how much the upside goes, right? Yeah, yeah. And at least we, as a bridge quarterback, he's not just some mundane player. I'm not 
I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, dude, I would love to have Jokowi reset, like you mentioned earlier, be my bridge. Oh, yeah. Or I would not want to bring back Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. Um, guys like that, they just – there's not a lot of, like, excitement around those players. Well, I know Minshew wouldn't be the long-term answer. He's still more exciting to a fan um, than those other guys. So there's that aspect of it as well, you know. Um, but yeah, I you know I think the Baker experiment, even after two games, is looking horrible. Uh, I think Matt Rule is probably on the hottest of seats in the league right now, amongst uh, coaches. Uh, doesn't seem like he's going to be around for much longer. He might even be a fire halfway through the season kind of guy. If it gets, if we do start 0-7, David Tepper is not the most patient guy. I mean, we let Joe Brady go halfway through the year, and I don't even necessarily think that his scheme or whatnot was our problem. I think it was just Darnold is not capable of playing at a high level ever. (laughs) (laughs) So Matt Rule could be on the outs very soon. And, uh, you know, this this does start to feel like a stinker year for the Panthers already. Yeah, um, I'm while well, I'm go- I'm just gonna push back a little bit, partly to defend my preseason take. <laughs> I'm not ready to throw it away yet, but also just because there is some uh, some evidence across the league that it's just been a little uh. We, we've expected some teams to be where they're at, but frankly, it's been a little bizarre with just how bad or how different or off or good or, you know, some teams have really been like the Titans look like one of the worst teams in the league right now. <laughs> and while they've lost some talent, I, I, I don't know if I would have imagined them getting beat 41 to seven last week. Uh, there were a lot of comebacks last week. Um, I don't think the Raiders are as bad as there, but they have some problems to work out. Uh, the Dolphins are overachieving. The Bengals, probably where we thought they'd be, sort of, but maybe they should at least be one and one. <laughs> um, so I don't think all is entirely lost on the Panthers, though their schedule is, in fact, quite daunting. And I could easily see fact scenario coming to fruition so i don't i don't think he's off base on that now i'm still not entirely done with baker (laughs) partly because he's not on my team i guess so i'll give i'll give him that uh i i I think it's worth seeing where they're going uh the next couple weeks at least maybe the next week if they're oh and three oh and four there's like you're just not coming back from that. The odds are pretty bad once you go zero and two to make playoffs, but once once you start stacking them, uh, you make it a streak. Then then we're pretty clear on it. So it yeah, that's one of my storylines. Who who do they play this week? Play in New Orleans. Oh, that's tough. Okay, well Tampa's overcome their New Orleans bug, but 
will the Panthers. I, I'm not entirely confident in that. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That, that's probably a deal breaker of a game. Divisional opponent, uh, the pendulum definitely swings once you go three losses in a row to start the season. So all eyes on that one. Um, there's been other miswin teams. Cameron mentioned the Titans. Um, the Raiders could be considered one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one in particular, though, that I am going to shit on. And that is the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. Um, you could <laughs> say like we've done this a lot. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, well, Broncos. I will take <laughs> always take every opportunity to shit on the Broncos. Because I this might be coming from a, a, a tiny bit of bias. But is it from it Super does, Bowl fifty, he's still not over it. I I That's can't okay. get over Super Bowl losses. I don't think No, you don't. It's I don't think it's possible. I, I'm lucky I haven't been able to witness one yet, so I guess there's some of that. <laughs> But uh, the thing is, it warms my heart to see the Broncos are struggling, not only with the basics, very, very basic things such as time management and simple decision-making, but schematically, they're the worst red zone offense in the league. I think I'll, and, and don't get me wrong, I love Russell Wilson. I was a big fan of him even going to Denver just for his sake, getting out of the whole Seattle situation. It seemed like they didn't really want him anymore. But uh, maybe uh, I've heard the kind of excuse for Russ and some other guys like Joe Burrow that not getting the snaps through training camp and preseason um, that guys like Mahomes or Josh Allen got is kind of hindering them. Now, once uh, everyone's playing at full speed, I don't think that's the case. When it comes to Denver, maybe, Cincy, you can probably talk me into that side of the argument. Um, But when it comes to Denver and Russell Wilson, Russell's not running around like he is kind of known to do. Um, he's, He's trying to win from the pocket, and he has been good from there at times in his career. I mean, we all know Russell Wilson. He's a great player. But without that added little magic that he does, you know, running around, avoiding sacks, throwing on the run, almost kind of creating havoc, but on purpose and it leading to fruition. That's kind of been the story of his career, right? Mm -hmm. Um, He's not that special of a player without that. I don't it know. has been a sex factor. Yeah. And he 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 kinda he just seems like a an okay game manager. A guy who's not really going to beat the world, you know, without that added flair that he has shown throughout his career. So I think a lot of that has uh, the Broncos struggles have to do with Russell Wilson is just not playing like Russell Wilson. 
at least not the Russell Wilson that we're accustomed to seeing. And uh, maybe that has something to do with Hackett. Maybe he's trying to rein him in. Maybe he's trying to say, oh, you don't need to run around here um, to do this. Or I don't know. Um, But it also kind of leads me to, I think Hackett himself is in over his skis um, with Russell not playing like Russell. Hackett's not really scheming up easy looks for him in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there we've seen several coordinators from Green Bay get coaching gigs or move on to bigger places, like uh, Joe Philbin was offense coordinator for Green Bay. Oh, wow. Um, Didn't even and became that. the head coach of the Miami the Dolphins. Dolphins. We saw how that turned out. You know, it's easy to look good with Aaron Rodgers is my point. Mm-hmm. And uh, Russell Wilson needs a little more help than Aaron Rodgers. We've seen how many offense coordinators Seattle's gone through over the years with him. I don't think reining in what he does that makes him special is the right direction for the Broncos to take. And it seems like it seems like that's kind of what's happening. I don't think Russell's just choosing himself. Oh, I'm not going to run around. I'm not going to do this. I don't see why he would. It seems more of a like structural thing. Like, Hey, uh, you need to be on time with this throw here. So don't be going off script essentially. I don't know. That, that's just my early opinion on it. I'd have to see it uh, flesh out over couple more games before I can kind of fully form an opinion but initially I think the Broncos look like a dumpster fire it's been a bit tricky because really you could say aside from the Chiefs who have looked much better than everybody maybe would have thought um, I will say so far my inclination on them has been pretty good so uh I was like, they're the team I'm watching, you know. The Chargers have been left a little bit to be desired. I mean, Zach said it earlier. I'm just going to paraphrase him, even though he's on the call. But they're actually, what do you say, Zach, about Chargers? (laughs) I'm going to let you say it. Oh, the Chargers about them to realize the only thing about them that is elite is Justin Herbert. There you go. Yeah, so there's that. Uh, the Broncos okay time management that that was atrocious you could fix that um, that's kind of a fundamental thing like really if you're gonna content you do that in January you're toast uh, as teams have figured out um, the Raiders I, I, I honestly don't know what the heck is up with them you could blame Derek Carr you could blame the lack of a preseason like you could for a lot of teams, but or lack of starter reps in the preseason to be specific. Um, I think it's just a lot of turnover and that's what you're going to get combined with pressure. Uh, but the Broncos, it was not great to watch. Perhaps they'll be okay. And I, I still think they'll make the playoffs. Uh, we'll see how it flashes out. Um, but you don't want to see a scenario if you're a Broncos fan 
wherein you have to rely on Russell Wilson just being a better game manager than a quarterback who on the opposite sideline who we don't figure will be a long-term solution for a rebuilding team. The Texans are not good. And Davis Mills has been better than he should be, perhaps. But I've seen no illusions of long-term status for him as a franchise quarterback. And if you're just being marginally better, um, it's probably not where you want to be. If you it, if the Broncos are going up against Kansas City right now, I wouldn't like their chances. Uh, so that's that's what I'll say on that. The defense looks fine. Uh, Randy Gregory looked pretty good, actually. So might have been wrong on that one. Uh, and Bradley Chubb looks good. And but Russ is the key that that, that drives that engine in Denver and it, Hackett's got to trust him to and not kick 64 yard field goals they've got to manage fundamentals better and Russ I don't know what the heck is going on like let him cook I don't know Hackett needs to be better perhaps they, they've got a lot to sort out two weeks in yeah, and on a more positive note, there were two teams in particular that have really kind of impressed me. Um, both are sitting at one and one, um, but both were really competitive in both of their games so far this year, and both had a dominating win and a very close loss. Those two teams are the Detroit Lions and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone knows the Lions are the hard knocks team this year so they've gotten quite a bit of publicity at least a lot more than a typical Lions year <laughs> um, but at home Jared Goff looks like a great quarterback um, Did you say Jared Goff? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he does He's a top at home. seven fantasy quarterback yeah, at, at home, he looks amazing. Um, I I don't know. I think they've played both their games at home, right? Um, so far. So. so we'll see when he gets on the road. I mean, we know who Jared Goff is at this point, but he's looked great so far. The, the Lions are really scrappy. DeAndre Swift has been amazing this year. Um definitely on pace for a Pro Bowl caliber season. And the defense has gotten pressure like crazy. I think Aiden Hutchinson had four sacks and a half or something ridiculous like that. Or three. It might have been three. Uh, He had a hell of a game last week. I didn't quite see that upside with him. I was a little pessimistic on his upside, but Dude, looks like the best play. Well, Trayvon Walker's looked great, too. We'll get to the Jags. But Aiden Hutchinson's look like the number two overall pick should look. Um, so I have nothing but praise right now for the Lions. They almost got destroyed by the Eagles week one and scrapped their way back to almost beat them, right? And we know the Eagles mm-hmm. are getting a ton of praise right now. 
So that is kind of saying a lot. And I think the Lions are getting a little overlooked right now. Uh, I wouldn't say they're quite a playoff caliber team quite yet. Um, they do always have a tough schedule, having Green Bay and Minnesota in their division. But a lot to like there. On uh, the other side, in the AFC, uh, the other perennial bottom feeder, Jaguars actually look like the best team in their division so far. Um, the offense has been really fun to watch. Christian Kirk has all but lived up to his money so far. He's been a top 10 fantasy wide receiver. Um, Trevor Lawrence has made amazing strides. I know Doug Peterson has clearly been hounding and coaching up that footwork of Trevor, um, kind of reining in his long steps into his throws and a lot more quick hitches and uh, more like rhythmic timing with his footwork on routes. And you can tell, you can see the difference. Um, he needs to kind of rein in the velocity on some of his passes. Not like not every throw has to be like thrown through a wall. <laughs> but you, I mean, you see that with a lot of young quarterbacks. You've seen that with Cam Newton, damn near his whole career. I know Derek Carr early on yeah. in his career was very similar like that. I will say now, if Derek Carr's got one thing really going for him, is that his touch is probably one of the better touches in the league. Like, it's yeah. he throws pretty balls. <laughs> and, so, if uh, Trevor can get close, like, that's all the better for him. Yeah, and it started with Derek Carr throwing it so hard. Amari Cooper led the league in drops like every mm -hmm. other year. Now he made um, Zay Jones get a payday. So yeah, <laughs> and Zay Jones has been playing pretty well for the Jaguars. Um, it just goes to show that uh, when you bring in a coach who has like conviction with what they want to do. You know, they can kind of be an actual, like, leader. Uh, and a lot of coaches are not necessarily leaders. Um, <clears throat> hacking. Um, but it, it really shows the kind of mentality that a whole team can go under. Trayvon Walker, the first overall pick, has looked great. Did we um, talk about that pick he had? I, we, I can't remember I feel, if we did. I feel like we forgot about it. That was phenomenal. I was hey, watching I yeah. Red Zone the, when that happened. And I literally, I was kind of like on my phone a little bit, just looking up at the TV. And I was like, oh, dang, Washington's going to put away the Jags. And then all of a sudden, I look up. Carson Wentz snaps the ball. It's like a tunnel screen pass. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Trayvon Walker snags this ball like he's Randy Boss. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I jumped up and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, like it was a hell of a play. I did the same um, thing. <laughs> completely. That guy's a freak. And I'm oh, glad yeah. he's, I'm glad he's showing it. <laughs> uh, between him and Josh Allen, I think the Jags have a pretty solid pass rush off the bat. Um, Caleb Von Chasen might come around to be a good rotational player. Um, 
and it, the Jacksonville secondary has looked pretty damn solid. Um, I think there's a lot to like right now for the Jags. Uh, the offense has been moving the ball. They've been extremely efficient. A uh, couple drops here, there in the red zone. I know Etienne had a wide open walk-in touchdown that he dropped, and Trevor that missed was hard a, to watch. Week one, Trevor missed a uh, wide open corner of the end zone touchdown. But you know that that happens. They're still an inexperienced team, uh, kind of mm-hmm. like you know did, we we're saying Detroit. Uh, they will both of those teams. I think over the course of this year, will learn to close out games and. Uh, I think there's a lot to like. Former bottom bottom feeders on the rise. Yeah, I mean, well, who'd you compare Trevor to earlier? <laughs> I said, okay. So <laughs> I, I like I love to go and watch older quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, Trevor reminds me a lot of John Elway. Okay. Now I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say he's gonna have the career that John Elway had or he's like a direct apples to apples comparison. But yeah, similarly in height, they're both very tall. The way they like stand in the pocket, it's like very upright. Um, the way they kind of step into the throws, they're kind of striders, the way they their footwork looks when they throw, and most importantly. They both have this kind of over-the-top three-quarters release, almost like a baseball-esque throw, like if you're throwing from the the outfield down to, uh, like, home plate or trying to make a really far throw in baseball, that kind of small wind-up, but it's really, uh, really over-the-top. Both of them look very similar in that regard. I see it. I see the arm strength with Trevor, the mobility that Elway had and Trevor has is very similar. I think there's a, a lot to compare between those two. So that was, well, yeah. just to take a, like looking at this season, we have had a trend of second year quarterback breakouts. And while perhaps the pieces the Jags have added aren't all exactly sexy picks uh and you know christian kirk's been pretty good but perhaps he's still overpaid relative to his value um in others in similar circumstances however the early returns have been inspiring and when you combine trevor's like i they've been moving the ball he's been good um I haven't studied him as intimately as Zach has, but I can see it just casually even. Um, I've been watching Jaguars games, and I've been kind of curious about what they've been doing, more so than usual. And I have seen some of the miscues that will be ironed out, Um, but I've also seen that that team is trying to figure out how to win. And if it only can, um, they have something to look forward to in the short and the long term. Um, And you combine that with the ineptitude, really, of the rest of the division right now. The Titans are 
maybe they're not 0 and 2 terrible, but they're they seem to be taking rapid steps backwards, and I can see that not going well, um, short and long term. The Texans are are still quite in the middle of a rebuild. Uh, don't let their competitiveness of sorts fool you. And the Colts are kind of right where <laughs> right where the Jaguars want them. Uh, in their wheelhouse, so to speak, whenever they come into Jacksonville, <laughs> they got their card, their number. Um, it's what been like eight years now. And, you know, maybe this is the time that it catches up to the Colts where they realize maybe we should just stop plugging in quarterbacks every single year and hoping it works this time. Been saying that for a minute now. Uh, so yeah, stock up on the Jags. So this, and Trevor Lawrence, uh, we saw flashes last year. I'm looking forward to him gradually putting it together. Uh, quick tidbit on the Colts. Frank Wright uh, could be a guy who is probably getting fired this year, and uh, I really like him as a coach. I don't think uh, he has a lot to do with their bigger problems I think he's a guy who maybe in a different scenario different situation um, would be a steal as a coach I certainly would not be upset if the Panthers brought in Frank Reich after we let Matt Rule go mm-hmm. um, so Frank Reich's a good coach yeah, yeah he is I think he has his stuff down schematically I think uh, he comes from a great coaching tree, um, which is underrated. Certain coaching trees produce caliber coaches. Certain ones do not. <laughs> Bill Belichick's. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I really like Frank Reich, and I know the Colts owner is very impatient, similar to I was talking about the Panthers owner, David Tepper. Uh, Jim Irsay is very impatient as well. Um, so Frank Wright could be a guy, an open, uh, or what did I, how do I word this? He could be in line to be coaching another team next year. Um, someone to keep an eye on. Yeah, this goes the way that we're kind of projecting it to go. Uh, I mean, a tie and then a loss to a team that you just can't seem to beat, who's frankly not been good, like really ever, except for like one year. Um, Colts have a lot of soul searching to do, but that's not saying that they're a bad franchise I I just think they're or that their coach is bad I think they're they're good on both their approach has just been flawed so uh, you just can't plug and play like that and um, yeah we're gonna I think we're gonna have some depending how this sort of league-wide pendulum shifts like we are we gonna have a bunch of like teams with losing streaks to start the season and a bunch of teams with with winning like are we going to have 
a very stark division between the haves and have-nots because that's what it's sort of bubbling up to be so far. Um, and I'm curious over the next couple of weeks once we reach that, even that quarter mark of the season, um, things are going to start to get pretty crystal clear or at least just a little bit, you know. And we're going to see whether or not it's as close as everyone thought it was, especially in AFC. So, curious. Yeah. Um, the NFC is kind of shaping out pretty pretty strange. Uh, oh, uh, one last thing before uh, we start to wrap this guy up. But uh, 49ers uh, had a forced quarterback change, to say the least. Uh, I didn't ask you about this pre-pod, but what are your initial thoughts on the whole Trey Lance situation now that he snapped his ankle? Oh, yeah, we didn't bring that up until now, huh? Um, that that's honestly it. My initial thought is that that's just really tough. Like you give a guy the essentially the keys to the franchise, and almost immediately have to rethink that or at least in the interim sort of shift back to what you were doing in terms of it's a Jimmy show now depending on where they go this season if they just start winning games again and if they make a run again that's going to make it very tricky where like where are we going to go with the Trey Lance thing after that? That this was supposed to be his year, and then next year you have to re- figure out whether you're going to pick up his fifth-year option. And if you still don't really know what you have, how are you supposed to make that kind of a decision, you know? Whereas My... Jimmy's like, we know what we have with Jimmy, but we're just not sure that's enough because it's quite a conundrum my initial thoughts are that this is the beginning of the end for Trey Lance in San Francisco oh wow Um, I don't think he's looked that great honestly I know the sample size is extremely small but uh, I think at a certain point uh, you can only learn so much from the classroom so to speak you know in meetings and practice at a certain point you got to get out there and play and play well um because that's when it matters right i mean you can look great in practice but you get out there on sunday and you look okay at best or you are struggling in some major areas it doesn't uh doesn't really bode well long term and I, I, I understand. Um, I'm not trying to be a hater. Um, but it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. Uh, Trey Lance doesn't seem like the typical Kyle Shanahan quarterback in the first place. I mean, Shanahan's really been the guy who, I mean, come on. He took Matt Ryan to an MVP. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo isn't necessarily Matt Ryan but he's in the same kind of mold 
a pot, more of a pocket passer, more of a distributor with the ball, not so much of a playmaker, so to speak, on his own. Um, Kirk Cousins was another guy who was successful out of that scheme. Uh, even Brian Hoyer at a certain point was a guy when Shanahan was the OC of the Browns that actually at one point looked like a quality player. Um, I, I know he had the success, the success with RG3. That was a much more simplified offense than what Kyle Shanahan is like typically uh, putting out there, especially now. The 49ers have one of the more intricate offensive schemes running the ball. Uh, they don't necessarily need a running quarterback to sustain that. So I I never quite loved the fit. I remember when all the draft rumors were swirling about, people were saying that Kyle Shanahan loved Mac Jones. And while I think Mac Jones is the most physically limited quarterback in the league that's starting right now, yeah, I do kind of see like the fit that Mac Jones would have in his kind of scheme. So that kind of made sense to me then. And I think it might've been low key, the truth. And they had to kind of talk Kyle into Trey Lance because he had the bigger upside. I I have a feeling Jimmy's going to play well. I mean, we know Jimmy does good in this scheme. Um, I see no reason to think he's just going to fall flat on his face. Uh, the Niners are a good team overall. I think they're better than they were last year. So I think Trey Lance is, uh, he's going to be hard pressed to really gain that footing. It's kind of really untimely. I know it's due to injury, but you know, these things happen. They happen all the time. I mean, the greatest quarterback of all time came in as a replacement for an injured Drew Bledsoe. Who so, immediately, or who just before that, signed a record-breaking contract. Yeah, and I'm not going to sit here and say Jimmy Garoppolo is going to turn into Tom Brady, but I just mean injury replacements and those guys never quite getting that starting gig back. It happens all the time, not just at quarterback. And I will say that, I don't know if you noticed, but, and this is no downplay on Trey Lance, but the team seemed to really rally around Jimmy. They did. Like, it looked like they were pretty stoked about, about him just being there, everything aside. So he certainly has the team on his back or around him that, that supports him. And, and perhaps they support Lance too, but it is very clear that Jimmy has rapport with a lot of those guys. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, it is. Uh, I'm. I don't always take too much stock in who gets named captain or whatnot. Um, but it was kind of a a tell when Trey Lance, when named the starting quarterback, was not named a team captain because typically the quarterback is oh. your leader. I didn't know that he wasn't. Yeah, he was not. Uh, yeah, that it, it's kind of a tell in a smaller way of what your teammates think of you. And don't get me wrong, the guys that were named captain, um, they were all players that that are definitely worthy and deserving of 
uh, such a role. But usually your quarterback is one of those guys. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, with that, I think uh, week two has been pretty eventful. I think it's a very yeah. telling week, even so early. Yeah, I will. I will say as my my quip here. Um, I, I will put some respect on Kyle, Mur- Kyle Kyler Murray's name just a bit uh, for <laughs> thoroughly whooping my team's ass in the second half of the game and in overtime. So <laughs> that was a pretty sweet comeback. The football fan in me was like, oh, fuck yeah, continue, complete the comeback uh, and and do, and he did some amazing things. And But the Raider fan me what was in fact crying, but uh, just to reiterate that. But uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, please, 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 please win this week, Raiders, please. That's all you gotta say about that. <laughs> that guys. We will catch you next week. Deuces. Peace. Also, if you like the content you hear in this podcast, go ahead and leave us a five star rating on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts. If there's ability to rate, go ahead and give us all those stars. We appreciate you for it. Check us out on Instagram at Fraternal Football Podcast. Twitter coming soon. We're getting a social media presence going. Also, we are on like eight different podcasting services, including Spotify, which you're most likely listening to, Apple Podcasts now, Stitcher, uh, like five more. Check us out on a variety. Uh, We got stickers everywhere. Slide into our DMs on social media. Engage. Maybe you want to be on the show. Let us know. We're out there and we're available. This episode is brought to you by HowToPest. Go to howtopest.com for your pest control needs. They're absolutely crushing it. What are you waiting for? This has been Fraternal Football. Cam and Zach signing off.